Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Chivas del Norte podcast. On today's episode, we're going to talk everything Chivas Femenil. And with me to talk everything Chivas Femenil, Melissa, as always. Melissa, how are you? Fine. Um, first, uh, I want to apologize to everyone for not returning after the <laughs> September episode. It's been a long time. Um, it's 2022 now. Um, so just wanted to wish everyone... Like, hope you have a, a great year and hope we get a lot of Chivas wins this year. So, yeah, things went a, a little bit crazy for me with work and life, but like in a good way. So I, I'm doing really well. So I hope um, we can do this more consistently this year. That's our that's our 2022 uh, purpose for this year. Yeah, it's our, our resolution to pod, to pod more. <laughs> Um, yeah, we left. We did a a mid season recap episode, and then we kind of just never came back. But uh, we'll try to be more consistent this season, and um, we might as well just start it off. We can do like a little a little brief recap of the last season and the Chivas Femenil off season. It was uh, I don't I don't think I want to say the that that the off season was wild because I feel like Chivas Femenil has had super wild off seasons like this is like a okay off season for us right like in terms of like drama and stuff it's not it's not too bad actually nothing nothing yeah, too it, crazy happened i mean if, if you're like a, a longer time chivas feminine fan and then you see december's coming up you are already bracing yourself because you know something bad is going to happen because we we have a really 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 bad bad track record with december like it's our worst month ever so last, like December 2020 was one of the worst times to be a Chivas Femenil fan because that's when they got a lot of the roster and everybody left and we thought we were we were going to be so bad. So yeah, I mean, it, it's nice like for a change not to be the team drama is happening around. So I think I, I appreciate it have a, having like a, a quiet off season, but there were still some big changes happening there. Yeah, for sure. I mean, when we first started potting about Chivas Femenil, Luis would join us on the episodes. And when, when, when you're talking about the 2020 offseason, when that happened, he was like, I'm done. He's like, I can't do any more pain, any more Chivas related pain in my life. He's like, this is enough. His favorite player in the Cole Perez left. And that I think that was the last straw. He's like, yeah, I'm done. Yeah, and then they went and, and played a final. So mm-hmm. I, I think that in a weird <laughs> way, that's what works best for Chivas. And I think that that's something that also ties into... Once we start, we start talking about the match against Tigres. I think that Chivas, in a in a weird way, they thrive when nobody's watching them, like when everybody thinks they're not going to do well. So yeah, I mean, for us, the the idea of a quiet <laughs> winter transfer window is, is is really mellow. Like we only change coaches, <laughs> so that's <laughs> for us. That's like a very quiet <laughs> transfer window. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, all right. So last season, Chivas Femenil finished the season in fourth place. Um, I I kind of want to say they were inconsistent a lot of the season. Like, uh, they looked good one week and then another week they looked really not good. So it was like an up and down season for Chivas. I think fourth place was a, a justifiable spot for them to end the season. But then the highlight of the season was that Licha won the golden boot, which, uh, she had just missed out on a season before. Yeah. I mean, I think that, um, there's something like to be said about, what Licha has done for Chivas. I mean, uh, it may may seem like I'm exaggerating here, but I really do believe that she was 
like that center forward that Chivas had been craving for years, because essentially for two and a half years, almost three years, we never had like that figure. And like, I think that it's fantastic if there was a Chivas player that was going to, to win the first golden boot for the women's team. I'm glad it was her because like in many ways, she, she has like this, this essence that kind of brings us back to the old idols, like the players from El Campeonissimo, like her, her essence is that, like she's a very quiet player. She doesn't make like a lot of interviews and she hardly ever uses social media. <laughs> and still like everybody loves her. Like we, we see all these videos of fans like flocking to her after matches. Like even there was during the off season uh, a friendly against Necaxa and like their, their U17 squad also came over to play against ours because that's also another thing we need to discuss. We have a U17 tournament now. Oh, yeah. And after that game, uh, Chivas Femenil posted this fantastic video of all those youth players, uh, these 15-year-olds, like, swarming Licha and asking her for photos and just, like, gushing over her. So, I mean, the connection that she has created with with fans and and with everyone is, is just, like, something so special to see. And I think that we might in a way be taking it for granted right now but we should really like value that because it took us so long to find someone like her and she's definitely very very special so it made me really happy to see her get like golden boot i know that she always speaks about how for her like winning a, a league title is more important than any like individual achievements but i mean she she deserves it she has been the best striker in the league the, the entire year and like even um i saw that they posted like over the past few years the two years she has been also like the second best um a striker in the league in terms of goals scored and like she was even like the best in the world in terms of of like club competitions she she was tied in first place so i mean i think that what she has made is it's just like incredible and, and like we should really take a moment to to fully appreciate what she has done and to enjoy it like for as long as it lasts no yeah definitely i think she's gonna be that that chiva feminine icon you know when in 50 years when they talk about chiva feminine i think licha's name is gonna be right you know number one up there i think she's the she's that once in a lifetime player i think for chiva feminine and I, eventually they got they got to build her a statue outside the stadium, right? I know Amy tweaks about it all the time. Um, we need we need a Licha statue somewhere for sure. Yeah, she definitely needs like at least her own corner in the Chivas Museum at the Stadio Akron. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, hopefully that's that's coming soon. I I think that the Chivas TV channel is going to make like a like a small documentary on her, like the ones they have been doing the that are called Raices. Mm, yeah and i think that an episode on her is coming up soon so that's going to be like really really interesting to to watch yeah definitely definitely looking forward to that um they announced a couple of other ones right i think they were rumored i know licha was one um i thought i saw like two other names thrown out there but i, I can't remember right now off the top of my head yeah i think miriam castillo was one of them oh, okay that'd be cool yeah um, i mean yeah. She, she also deserves it she, she has been so underrated I can't remember the other one, but yeah, it's also like worth mentioning how Chivas TV has become like this home for the for the femenil team. Like uh, they always tweet every month, like their most watched content, and it's 
usually like a lot of, of feminine stuff in there. So it's becoming like this place where people go and watch their matches and also like all the extra stuff they do, like the the behind the scenes videos and like interviews and like these little segments and, and like props to them because everything they, they do for the for the women's team has like the same production value as they do for the men. So that also makes it like much more attractive to watch. And and it's been great to see them like branching out and like it, it becoming this space for, for women's team content for from the team. Yeah, definitely. If um, if you guys haven't checked out the uh, the Taras del Rebaño videos that they do after every Chivas Femenil game, those are those are really good. Especially because a lot of the time Chivas Femenil does actually win their matches, and like on the, I I watch like one of the men's every now and then. Whenever they win a game, I, I go and watch it. But if they lose, I I don't I don't go and watch it. Like I don't want to relive that pain. So the Chivas Femenil the Taras del Rebaño videos are good. Uh, don't don't watch the men's because. Usually they're just sad. <laughs> <laughs> but um, going back to last season, Chivas made it. They got knocked out in the quarterfinals by uh, our our arch rival America. They lost two one aggregate. We lost two one to America in the Azteca. Licha scored a golazo in the Azteca. Um, that that goal was amazing. Uh, control it off the chest and then volley it to the into the goal. Um, I thought after she scored that goal, I think we had America on the ropes for like ten minutes, but we couldn't we couldn't score another one. And then at the Akron, it was a nil nil draw, and we got knocked out because of an aggregate. Yeah, I mean, I think that what I remember like the most of those those matches is that the first forty five minutes for Chivas on the first leg were terrible, like the worst that I've seen. And I think that this has become like a mental block now. Every time they get America on the on Liguilla, it's it's becoming such a problem. So I think that it's like the the biggest pending assignment this team has, like to knock out America on on Liguilla. So yeah, I mean definitely it was a tough loss, but I also think um, that it's also part of the of the growth and the maturity this team needs to have because we have a lot of young players. Our defense is quite young, so. I mean, I think that it's it comes with the territory. If you are going to to trust on your on on the players coming in from your youth squad and and on signing young players, you also have to pay this quote unquote tax on them getting experience the hard way. So I think that it it must have been like a a, a learning moment for them. And also, I mean, and, and this ties into. Another thing that happened, which was um, Chore Mejia stepping down as a coach, I think that um, he, he cited personal reasons. He said that he needed to like focus on his family because he, he's having a divorce. And I think that also kind of reflected on the season because at times we saw the team a little bit disconnected and like even on, on Liguilla too. So I, I wonder like how much of that like energy or, or that m- mental thing Chore was was carrying around also affected the team. So, yeah, I mean, hard to tell how much influence it had. But, yeah, it was like a not the best way to end the season, but also I think maybe not that surprising considering how you mentioned that it was like a very inconsistent season for Chivas, partly because of what I said, like that disconnect that happens sometimes on the pitch and also we had a few absences here and there. Like at some point, Caro missed a few games. 
and then other players missed other games, and, and it seemed like they, they could never really get it together as the season progressed. Yeah, it was it was a it was like uh yeah it was a, it was an up and down season for Chivas, and I think um I wasn't too confident going into the uh, Clasico, especially in the quarterfinals. So when they lost, you know, it was I was disappointed, you know. But like you said, we have a young squad; they're they're trusting their players. You, we're seeing more and more players get called up from the youth squads into the first team, and Chivas is one of the teams that have taken development of their players in the Premier League very seriously and we're seeing the uh we're seeing the product the products of it you know we got players coming up we had a couple of players make their debut we had one player make their debut this season already in the first game against Pachuca so I think we're just going to see more of that and I think we just have to trust the process but I do think the the shorty news um well we kind of knew something was up right but we uh, it, it did come out of nowhere that he resigned. Um, I wasn't expecting him to resign. I thought, especially because he had just signed the contract extension. I think right, so like twenty twenty four. Yeah, they gave him like a two year contract mm-hmm. because I guess they were trying to get ahead of the curve because after the final, like of course he probably got offers or he was being hunted. Yeah. So I mean, in hindsight, I I think that at the moment it was a wise move. I mean, of course you want to secure your coach because. He seemed to have like a really good chemistry with the team. Like, even though Chivas doesn't have like the best roster in the league, they they were still getting some pretty good results. So, it made sense to keep him. And then, like whatever personal stuff happened, it definitely seemed to have like a to take a toll on the team. So, I mean, um, props to him for for stepping down and like for acknowledging that maybe. It wasn't the be- in the best interests of everyone um, for him to stay. I mean, I I don't know what happened, what else happened, but like hopefully he's okay and his family is okay and like everyone involved can can move past whatever's happening. So yeah, I mean after that they 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 decided to appoint Juan Pablo Alfaro as as our coach. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, Pato Alfaro was. Chores assistant so I know that also also caused like a bit of controversy because like a lot of people wanted them to hire like someone like Ileana Davila or like another coach like trying to go big in that front but I think that they're really betting on continuity I mean partly it's definitely like budget reasons like we know the the club is not in the best financial shape right now but it also kind of makes sense like if you were getting like some decent results with that project and like if your coach has to step down because of something not related necessarily to results and like I don't know if Pato was perceived as being a, a good fit for the team then like I mean I, 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 I didn't he didn't gave me like the best vibe in the matches he had to to coach because he, he did get like a couple of matches when Chore had COVID mm-hmm. but I mean, thinking about it now, maybe his energy, because he seems to have like a very calm energy and like he seems like a really mellow person. And maybe that's what the team needs, because I don't know if maybe Chore was sometimes like too intense or or whatever. (laughs) Like there were rumors of of him maybe not being in the best terms with some players. So maybe that's exactly what the team needs, like a, a coach who is more calm and like more even even tempered that can kind of 
hand, handle like how to reassemble the team and, and have them like regain that chemistry that it seems they had lost for a little bit. So yeah, I mean, I think that um, Alfaro might not be the flashiest choice, but it, it makes sense. It makes sense that they want the, the project as it is to keep going. And I think that it's giving good results so far. Yeah, I think I think it was it was a, it was the right move. Um, you know, you don't want to bring in somebody completely new and have to re-implement like a new system, or they're going to want to make changes. They're going to want to bring in too many different players. Um, you will kind of want somebody that has like the uh, the inside knowledge of what Chivas exactly is trying to do and what they're planning for the future. So, it, so it makes sense, right, to just bump up your bump up the assistant coach to the head coach. And then just try to keep most of the staff as is. But like you said, Alfaro might be bringing a more like um, serene coaching environment or like a calmer coaching environment. So maybe players are going to react differently. And like you said, these first two games have um, have worked out for us so far. Chivas has looked good this this season so far. So um, I'm not too worried because initially I was because, um, you know, we, we, we sang Shorty's prices on this podcast for the last two seasons. You know, we thought he was probably one of the better coaches in Liga MX Femenil. And for him to step down out of nowhere was, was a shock. But I think I think we'll be okay with uh, Patalfaro as long as we have, like, the, as long as we keep our base. And Chivas did a good job of that in the offseason as well, right? We didn't have we didn't have any flashy signings or big signings like a couple of the other Liga MX Femenil teams. But we did secure our base. We si- we re-signed three of our most important players. We re-signed Jacqueline Rodriguez to a contract till 2024. We re-signed Jocelyn Montoya till 2023. And we re-signed our goal scorer, Licha. We re-signed her till 2024. They all got new contracts this offseason. And we did have one... one um, new signing to the squad uh hillary garcia she plays uh she's a midfielder she got some innings in both games so far with uh pachuca and Tigres. she's 24 years old she started off at rayadas and then went on to then she can then she went to pumas and from pumas she's come to chivas and i've liked i've liked what i've seen from her in the couple of minutes she's gotten in the past two games and um i'm sure she'll get more time as the season progresses but um the re-signings and the signings, Melissa. What what do you think of what Chivas did this offseason? Yeah, I mean, coming coming back to what I said, Chivas hasn't been doing like flashy moves. They're not breaking the the transfer window, but these moves make sense. And like, I think that they're realizing that they have a strong base there. I mean, I I don't I do think that we could use like solid signings, particularly on defense, like to have a good center back or, or two. Mm-hmm. But I think that the the issue, or not necessarily an issue, but the thing that this team needs is like for the young players to keep maturing and growing. And I think that the, the players we do have are good enough that maybe in six months or during this season they can just like keep keep growing and keep developing because like they also resigned Chelly Torres, I think. Oh, and, like, she's, yeah. Yeah, she's twenty and. Like I know, I, I criticized her heavily, <laughs> but she's an example of of some of some very good things that Chivas have been doing. Like she was a terrible left back, and nobody had any trust in her. And then like, Chore comes in and he starts playing her as as right back, and that's when she has like an incredible change in her level. Like she starts playing really well, and 
she's now having more confidence and like she even had an assist against Tigres. So I think that's the process that Chivas is following in that they're trusting their young talent and they're also keeping or focusing on keeping the, the stronger talent that maybe some of these players have more experience, like Jacqueline Rodriguez, who is like a huge asset on defense, Jocelyn Montoya, who is very young, but I'm, I'm sure she's she was already maybe getting some hints or offers from other teams. So, yeah, we didn't sign big, but we also didn't make our rivals stronger like other teams. So, I mean, I think that, that the moves made sense. And also for the winter transfer window, because of the way it works in Mexico, like if these players were going to end their contracts in the summer, then starting in January, they were going to be free to talk to other teams. So Chivas got ahead of the curve and they decided to like extend their contracts right now to avoid any any hassle during the summer transfer window. So I think that their, their focus was this, so that maybe in the summer when more contracts are open, like more players are looking for offers, they can maybe go big in, in certain areas that they need to sign. And it makes sense, like keeping this base, because also the off-season was very short. So it didn't make sense to, to, to like make any big moves or big changes. So I think that they're waiting and maybe like in the summer, depending on how, you know, Alfaro's tenure goes, I'm sure that they'll decide whether they want a, a new coach or, or they want big signings or, or what they're going to move with their pieces. But until then. Yeah, definitely. I think um, it was, I think they made the right moves in the offseason. Uh, like you said, I think there are places where Chivas could definitely use improvement. I think um, center back, like you mentioned, I think is a big is a big need for Chivas. Uh, maybe left back, I think... Um, Sometimes I feel like the Martins has struggled at times, uh, but at times she looks great. So um, if they're going to trust her in that position, then I guess that's why they're not going to bring someone in. But um, yeah, those going to the offseason, those are my two things that I, I kind of wanted she was to address the center back issue and then the left, possibly a left back and maybe just to compete for the left spot position. But um, I think, I think we're going to be okay this season. And then lastly, we had, the one departure from Chivas, aside from Shorty Mejia, we had uh, Tania Morales, the Capitania, leave Chivas, and she signed with Cruz Azul. Yeah, that was like not unexpected because you know she she's she was the oldest player on roster and like she's a historic player for for Chivas Femenil. I mean, and even for the league, like she was the first yeah. player to score an Olympico goal, and she was the first player to lift that league trophy. And I feel like she gets overlooked sometimes. And I mean, the club did make like a farewell video and like people had tributes for her. And I honestly thought she was going to maybe retire because she has her coaching degree and she also has her academy. So it seemed like she was maybe looking into that transition and then she signed with Cruz Azul. I think it was a good move for her because I don't think that she was going to get any minutes here at Chivas, she was coming off like a few big injuries. So, I mean, I don't know, maybe she just signed like a short contract. And like, I understand if she wants to leave like the game in her terms and like being able to play for a little while longer. So, I mean, Cruz Azul could definitely use a player like of her caliber and her experience. And I mean, I'm glad that, that she she's able to, to keep playing because, I mean, I really enjoyed watching her. And I think that 
she was the, the first player I, I really liked from the team. Like she was like my first favorite player when I started following Chivas and following the league. And like she reminds me a lot of, of Ramoncito. Like I, I think that she's also probably one of the players or the player with the best technique I've seen at the at our team. So yeah, I mean definitely a big loss like in terms of maybe a chapter ending for Chivas Femenil. Like she was like one of the few players remaining from that first title. So she's definitely going to be always like really loved and like remembered in Chivas because of what she did with the team. And like nothing but thanking her for what she did for Chivas and also like wishing her the best at Cruz Azul and also like on whatever she decides to do whenever she retires. Yeah, definitely. I, I didn't really get to watch her much. I think she was more active like those first couple of years of the league. And then when I started watching like consistently, I think um I think she was just hurt a lot, right? She she's been hurt for like the last year, year and a half. So I, I think I only saw her play I think for Chivas once, I think. Actually play. So I, I didn't really get to catch her career, but I did watch her in the final when she lifted the trophy. Like you said, historical figure because she's the first player, first captain to ever lift that trophy. So she'll definitely be in the history books. Um, but like you said, we wish her the best and her time at Chivas has come to an end. But uh, now we can get to the Chivas season opener, Melissa. We played Pachuca, a team that last season had a lot of expectations. They didn't exactly pan out. And this season, we started by beating them 4-1 at at Pachuca away from home. What do you think of that game? Yeah, I mean, Pachuca, like on paper, they have fantastic players. And mm-hmm. like I, they're, they're, they're also a team that commands like a certain respect in terms of their feminine legacy, but they just can't seem to get it together. Like, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I hope that it works out for them. And I mean, I, I was like a bit, like nervous because always the season opener is is nerve wracking, but also because of the quality they had. Like you know that they can, even though they collectively they might not be working so well. Like you have a player like Charlene Corral who can score on you at any time. So yeah, I mean I think that it was like a very good result, and also like I mean starting with a four-one win and also an away win like on your season opener is always good news. I think the team looked like really well. Like it didn't look like they had they were coming off the off season. Like they didn't look rusty and they didn't look. It it looked like like a, it was like a very compact and very cohesive display from Chivas. So that was also really nice to see. Yeah, it was it was a relatively com- com- comfortable win. Um, there were some really good performances. Uh, I think Ruby Soto had a really good game something we've been well i've been wanting to see for a while because before she had left to spain she she was uh, my favorite player on the team and it's nice to see like those flashes of ruby soto i think we were starting to see them at the end of last season here and there and then for her to start off the season with two assists in one game uh, both of them i both of them i think were to Licha. yeah both of them were to Licha, so even great you know i think last season when we started i mentioned i was like if ruby and Licha can get clicking you know we're 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 gonna be in for some really nice goals because Licha, because Licha knows how to finish and the Ruby knows how to set him up. 
Um, besides that, I think, you know, Jocelyn Montoya again, she had a great season last season, looked really good against Pachuca. Garo scored like a bizarre goal that we still don't know how that how that happened. <laughs> that was like so weird. <laughs> she like she tried to like juke the goalie but ended up like tripping herself but somehow the ball bounces off of her and goes into the goal. Like and it was like immediately after Pachuca had tied. So it, it was it was so bizarre that that whole sequence. It made no sense. Like I I looked up and I was like, wait, what just happened? Like Yeah, I rewatched <laughs> that and I still can like figure out how that happened <laughs> because like you said Pachuca had just scored and like they were still like with the replays of their goal and then yeah. all of a sudden the, the ball was inside the the goal of the other side of the pitch so yeah it was so weird and like even if, if it hadn't been a goal right there I mean it, it should have been a PK because of mm-hmm. the way they yeah. essentially attacked Caro <laughs> on the pitch so yeah, I mean that that was weird, and of course Michelle Gonzalez, who <laughs> has, she has been scoring in three season openers in a row or something like that. I remember that the Chivas account tweeted that. So yeah, I mean I love Michelle Gonzalez. Like she's <laughs> like she's it's pure chaos because she's not our most technical player. She's not our fastest player, and sometimes she's like literally the only center back we have left. <laughs> And yet, somehow, just somehow, even though she's not the most gifted player in the world, she's not the most elegant player on the field, this woman still has one cup title, two finals with different teams, and she always scores goals in the most unlikely moments of matches. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, she's my she's my chaos favorite, and, like, I love her. I mean, I know a lot of people wanted her out of the team, and then... When people want her out the most is when she pulls off these random performances. So yeah, I mean she had a she scored with her back. Like yeah. I don't know how that I, I okay, so for those who, those of you who, who don't know, I keep uh, a record of, of every goal Chivas Femenil scores. This is the first time I've had to because I usually write down like if, if this was a left footed, right footed, a header. This is the first time as far as I can remember that I've had to write down back on the body part that scored the goal. So, yeah, I mean, props to Michelle for for making her haters be mad with her random performances. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's hilarious. I remember it was like, um, I think it was two seasons ago where um, she was like in the top, the top, uh, the goal, she was in the golden boot race for like two weeks because she scored three goals in like three weeks or something like that. Yeah, so she was random. like up there with the Siremos Ibais, in between the Siremos Ibais and Katy Martinez. Yeah. It was weird. Like, I, that's why I love her. Like, she's she just like brings this chaos energy, and like I, I love her so much. Yeah, she, she has she has a lot of heart. You know, she's not the most gifted player, like you said, but she she has a lot of heart, and you know that that's got to count for something. Um, it was interesting though. Uh, we we didn't pod through like the playoffs and stuff, but um. She, she does tend to be, like, a liability against, like, these fast-paced teams that know how to attack. And she did get benched for the both quarterfinal legs. Um, so I think that was and something that... And we still that, lost, so... Yeah, but... <laughs> it wasn't her fault. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, but it was something that I feel like Shoddy had been refusing to do. Like, he didn't want to bench her. And then eventually, he's like, I, I, I probably should. Because there was always, like, that one play where she gets caught, like, two up the field and, like... It's a foot race, and she's not winning a foot race against a lot of these Ligia attackers. But but good for her. She scored a goal. 
if if we know anything about Michelle Gonzalez, she's gonna score like two more in like the next three weeks, and she's gonna be up there with Licha leading leading the team in goals. Um, what else? What else happened in that Pachuca game? We also had a uh, Luisa de Alba. She made her debut for the Chivas Femenil first team. She got a couple of minutes in that game. Um, I mean, by that by that time, the game had been uh, over. It, there there really wasn't much for her to show in terms of like linking up with players and stuff like that. She was kind of just in there to get Licha out of the game, but it was still good, right, to make her debut. Like we said, Chivas is taking their development of their younger players seriously and Lisa Dalva is a product of the system yeah and like even though she just had her debut she's been around for a while like she had like a couple of pre-seasons with the with the first team before making the jump and from the youth squad and then like she's just kept being there and, and training and, and being ready so I mean hopefully we'll get to see more of her to like kind of get a better idea of, of how she plays but yeah, I mean, like you said, it's just part of the continuity of the, of the project that the club has, like in terms of developing their own homegrown talent. Yep. And the one the one negative thing about the Pachuca game was that uh, Jacqueline Rodriguez picked up a left leg injury and she's expected to be out for two to three weeks. So we're not going to be seeing Jack. We're not going to be seeing Jacqueline for probably a month. Right. Because I'm sure they're not going to want to rush her back. And yeah. Um, yeah, so like we didn't have her against Tigres, and you know, it's, I'd rather she like recover a hundred percent than to rush her back. Yeah, and I'm I'm kind of like worried on that regard for this season because our physical trainer Mario Dominguez he left too, like he he didn't live with Chore, like and Nelly only said that he left to be at another project. I haven't seen him registered with another team, but maybe some other club like picked him up because. He really made a huge progress with the team. Like he he was brought in like three or four seasons ago because I think that he was still when it was still when Villa Ceballos was was coaching the team. So he was brought in independently of like the coaching staff that we already had. And like the changes in the the fitness of our players were incredible. Like we always joke that we want him to to be <laughs> our, our personal trainer. And like I'm worried uh, about what that will mean for the team. I hope that they prepared for this and that they have someone else who can cover because those are some pretty big shoes to fill. Like I think that we can easily say that he was one of the best ever signings that the the team has made, just because of the impact he had. And like we would see that with all the players, not just the ones that we already had, but like for example, I remember when, when Carol Bernal came in. Like she wasn't as as fit and everything because she wasn't also getting those that many minutes with with Rayadas and like the change in her physically has been incredible and like just being able to to handle like a player like Licha who plays ninety ninety minutes week in week out and like keeping her essentially injury free like I think that it's like a huge testament of the work he did so yeah I mean I'm worried I hope that the that injury wasn't related to like the changes in physical training, but yeah, I mean, I think that I saw that Jackie she posted today like a picture on the on the gym facility, and she she said uh, last day, so maybe she's going to to go back to to on pitch training with the team tomorrow or something. Oh wow! Only one week then, right? Two weeks. Yeah, maybe they they'll just yeah. ease her in for another week and and then see how she does for the next match. 
yeah, I, I just hope they don't rush it back, just because we do have that kind of shortage at, at center back, you know. But we we have Carol Bernal now back too, so she could step in at at center back with uh, Michelle. So I think I think we, we could do it. What happened? Or even Cassandra. Oh yeah, I'm. All right, well we're, we're gonna talk about that. Let's talk. All right, we'll jump into Chivas and Tigres now. Because I did like Cassandra Montero at center back, but I do think we we definitely need her, I think, in the midfield. But um, before we get right into Chivas Tigres, going into the match, we were missing our coach, Alfaro, caught tested positive for COVID. And then our goal scorer, Licha, she also tested positive for COVID. I did at the team and told them I would send over all the plasma I could to Licha so she could recover on time, but they didn't get back to me. Told them I have fresh antibodies, the the Omicron update, everything, but they didn't get back to me. <laughs> but um, yeah, yeah, when you when, when you heard that, the... Melissa, what do you think? Yeah, when we saw the that bit of news floating around, everybody entered into weird doom mode, and like yeah, I mean essentially Chivas were coming into this match. And everybody was expecting them to to lose and to lose by a big margin, right? So, I mean, Chivas against Tigres, this is one of the most intense matches for Chivas. There's a lot of history there. There's a lot of bad blood in that ma- in that matchup. I made a small thread of all the lovely historical moments, fights, <laughs> broken noses, um, black eyes. We we've had everything in, in these matches. Like the first ever big brawl in a women's league game happened at, at a Chivas against Tigres. Um, that video has like over 2 million views, I think. <laughs> like Amy always jokes that half of those views are mine because I keep redirecting people to that video. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, this is just like a match that is always very, very intense. Um, and more now, even more so now that they played a final. So I mean, I think there, there's always like an expectation surrounding this match. And I think that hearing that Licha wouldn't be playing there, I think that everybody panicked. But it was a good test for the team. And like, we, we'll maybe dissect it a little bit more. But I think that they, they come off that test doing really well, I think. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think... Chivas looked good uh, Monday night against Tigres. Um, but when I saw how early we were playing Tigres, I was really happy. Because from like, the, since I started watching, they usually get Tigres like second to last or like third to last at the end of the season. Kind of right when Tigres was in form, I feel like. And I feel like Tigres is like a slow, I don't want to say slow starter, but they tend to like mess up more in the one in like week one through three, right? Like I feel like you get a result against Tigres in weeks one through three, as opposed to like playing them in week fifteen or whatever. So without Licha and playing Tigres in week two, especially after the kind of off season they had, right? Because they had a a chaotic off season. Um, they lost the final to Rayadas. They lost their their striker Katy Martinez. She left. Their fan base was in shambles, and you know we we kind of enjoyed that. But um, <laughs> <laughs> all the endless spaces where fans would bend, yeah, that was definitely <laughs> a weird winter kind of fun. But yeah, I mean, I think that Tigres and like, yeah, of course, like in terms of them being a sporting rival, of course, I hate them. 
<laughs> I hope they never win another <laughs> title. But I also respect them. I mean, you have to hand it to them. Like they built a massive roster. They have their, their titles. Like they didn't get them for free. Like there's a reason why why they have them. They were well earned. But I think that they they are in a very interesting moment right now. Like in terms of their dynamic. It feels like something has shifted, and I don't know if they have any internal issues going on. Like there, there's rumors, right, that maybe the the locker room environment isn't as good right mm-hmm. now. I mean, their fans booed the coach when, before the game against Chivas. There's the whole like final thing, the mayor controversy. I mean, I personally disagree with the way that their institutional like communication was around the issue i think the way that they they framed their narrative wasn't the best but yeah i mean it's it's a weird moment for them i think in a way but at the end of the day like despite whatever problems they have this is still tigres right like this is still like a roster that is incredibly strong like even if you take katy and maria out you still have Mayoro, Valle, Belén, Mercado. You, you still have like enough players to to like cause a ton of trouble. So, I mean, even if this is like the weakest they've looked, they still have one win and one draw like opening the season. So, I mean, you can never really discount them. And yeah, like everything built up, like the the expectation that this match always generates... And then, like, the momentum Tigres have and, like, maybe the momentum Chivas, Chivas built with the 4-1 win. So it was going to be interesting to, to see how it worked out. And I think that Chivas managed to get that 1-1 draw. And it was based in the in their collective strength. Like, like I said, they haven't been flashy in their transfer window. But this is a roster that they know each other. They know what they're playing. They know what they're playing for. So I think that's that's what like pulled them out in the end. Like the fact that they already know what they're doing, that they trust each other, that even like the tactical setup wasn't a huge change. So I think that all those little things added up. So I think that that result is also like a testament to the long-term process this team has been doing. Yeah, I think I think we do see we did we did see results of like the uh, long term, and then kind of maybe like the team itself maturing and knowing how to be ready for a, a team like Tigres. Because I feel like the co- last couple of times we've played them, they've struggled to to make it past the fifteenth minute without conceding a goal to Tigres. And I feel like it's always been bend or break in those first fifteen to twenty minutes against Tigres and Chivas has unfortunately broken every every single time we played them, right? They they usually go up 1-0 within the first 20 minutes, and then Chivas is kind of just struggling to get back in the game. And this and this time around, Chivas hung around until the second half. They didn't, they didn't open up the score until the, the corner kick that Uche headed in. Um, I can see how fans criticized and said that, uh, you know, Celeste Spina could have done a better job she was getting crowded in the box. Um, but I think those are growing pains, right, with a young goalkeeper. She does have a whole season under her belt now. She's only... Is she 18, Melissa, or, or 19? Yeah, she's 18. Yeah, she's 18-year-old goalkeeper playing first division soccer. Obviously, right, there are going to be growing pains, and we talked about it last season. Um, and then, you know, for Chivas just to kind of take that goal and not 
pulled under the pressure. You know, they reacted really well. And then at the 62nd minute, we get we get the Jocelyn Montoya goal, which amazing header from Chelly Torres. Amazing uh, cross from Chelly Torres, by the way. And um, the header by Montoya, amazing too. That that goal was was a beauty, that goal. Yeah, I mean, Chivas, even though they, they were, of course, more defensive and like that was to be expected because of the rival and because of the lack of Licha, they weren't that back behind. Like they weren't, the, their pressure wasn't as high as it tends to be, but it also wasn't, they, they weren't really like parking the bus that much. So you could see them trying to like crowd the midfield a little bit. And sometimes it wasn't like the most orderly way in which they played, but they, they were also hanging in there. And also like there's this shift in mentality. Like, we didn't really see them get frustrated or get anxious. Like, they, they were really calm the entire match. So I think that was really important because you had, like, a, a center-back pairing that was Cassandra, who, who never plays there, and Michelle, who nobody, I think, had much faith in her. <laughs> and, like, they were holding back Stephanie Mayor, and they were holding back uh, Uchenakanu and they were holding back um, Ovalle and they were holding back Belen Cruz so they had their work cut out for them and I think that the entire like defensive part of Chivas and also like with a lot of support from the midfield they, they managed to do really well and I mean I think that overall um, there's of course things that need to be improved and like you said I mean with Celeste like of course like she's going to make mistakes but she's, you can see that there's an improvement there. And I also think that something that Chivas needs to look into is, is in getting like a new goalkeeping coach because we've had the same coach for like three years. And I don't think that there has been like much growth as there should be. So I think that it's not necessarily everything up to the players. Like Celeste, I think that she's benefited from getting the national team process and like training there and like facing different rivals so I think that's part of why she's become such a strong goalkeeper at such a young age but I do think that there should be more support on the coaching side of things so I hope the the club looks into that and yeah I mean I think that overall um, a great display from the entire team that cross from Torres was fantastic like I mentioned that on, on Twitter too like I think the last season, the team really missed what Jacqueline Rodriguez brought us right back because she she would really like make these runs and like deliver crosses and assist and like slowly, Jelly Torres is also building that arsenal up. Like she's she's developing the ability to cross and she's served several assists now. So I hope that this boosts her confidence and like she's going to keep. It looks like she's going to keep growing and improving. So. I mean, I think that's that was really encouraging, and like of course Montoya, I think that we may sometimes overlook her a little bit, but she's also been playing fantastic, and like she's showing like for the second time that against big rivals, if Licha is not there, she's the one who always steps in. So I think that it was like a big moment for her, and like for several other players too, like for example Cynthia Rodriguez, who is also coming in from the from the youth squad and she's also like 18 I think and she's playing really great at, at midfield so yeah I mean I think that this showed like a, a new level of maturity that we were expecting to see and that is also really great to see like from such a young roster overall. 
Yeah, definitely. I think, um, you know, just going back real quick to Celeste, uh, I was too, like, I think it was like three minutes in when um, I immediately, like, I was like, all right, see that, that play, Celeste doesn't make that play last, early last season, right? And um, I forget, what, I think it was the, uh, she, she ran up on, Mayor was coming to the box by herself and she ran up and closed the space really well and, um, you know, pressured Mayor into an early shot that went wide. And I feel like that was one of her weaknesses last season that that we noticed, right? Um, her aerial aerial game, like coming out to cut off crosses, I think she used to hesitate a lot last season. And then that, like two plays later, she did it against Diga. She cut off a cross. And like I was tweeting out these gifts, and I was like, all right, look, she this last season, Celeste probably wouldn't do this, but she did it tonight. And then like five minutes later, another Celeste Smino play where it's like, Oh crap, like she probably wouldn't have done that last season. So like in just one season under her belt, you're seeing the improvement of her as a goalkeeper. And then late in the game, she had she blocked like an Avaya shot, like head on. She puts her hands out and then she even gets up right away and dives to catch the ball. And like there's no rebound for any Theater player to to put away. And I know we were talking on the side during the game, Melissa, that like she compl- she kind of basically completed the trifecta of like the three things that I thought she had to improve in, like cutting cutting players' space down, cutting off crosses in the air, and then blocking like low corner shots because taller the taller goalkeepers tend to struggle with those kind of shots. But she did all three in one game, and I was like, you know, this is like a turning point I think for Celeste, and I think this is gonna be like this season might be like her coming out party, and it's gonna be like, you know, she's gonna establish herself as one of the more like elite goalkeepers I think in the league. Yeah, and I think that a lot of sometimes like the negative perception Chivas fans have of her is because of the way her style kind of contrasts with Blanca. Mm-hmm. Because some of her weaknesses are the things that Blanca excels at. Yeah. And I think that because she looks more hesitant and like Blanca is like super bold and like she has fantastic reflexes and all those things that she does really well. I think that's why Chivas fans put a lot of pressure on her. But then, like, you read other fans from other teams and, like, they all want to sign Celeste because, like, they recognize the potential that she has. So I'm sure that that she will keep growing. And, like, I'm sure she's learning a lot from Blanca, too. And, like, I also see how Blanca has, like, that disposition of supporting her teammates. So I'm sure that they, they probably work together on like the things that she needs to work on but like a lot of those are also like they will come with time and with experience so I think that she's doing a fantastic job and like unless it is to maybe rotate a little bit and give her rest um, I think that she should definitely keep starting the games for Chivas yeah I think she should yeah I think she's definitely the Chivas starter now and um and yeah, like you said, I know there are a lot of fans that, you know, love and want Blanca Felix to to play, but um I, I don't know, I feel like we've seen how do I say it? Like we've seen Blanca Felix like peak. You know, we, we, we know what we have in Blanca Felix as a goalkeeper. And, you know, she she's a good goalkeeper, but I think Celeste still has like that glass ceiling where she can break through it and She's only gonna get better. She's only eighteen years old. Like she's gonna keep getting better and better. And I, and as opposed to like Blanca Felix, who I think kind of peaked. And you know, she's also she was also heavily criticized, right? When we played that final um, against Tigres, she made a couple of mistakes, I think. 
and then unfortunately in the offseason she doesn't get she doesn't get a like a revenge season because she broke a bone in her hand and she was out for most of the season that's why Celeste played is took the goal the starter spot but um I I do think we should keep Celeste at starter and like you said Melissa um right after the game somebody was in the theater space so you know how on Twitter it shows up like if someone you follow is in a in a certain space you can see what space they're in and it was um I think I think the name of the thing was like Fuera Medina and like Boo or whatever theaters and all this. So it was sad theater fans, and that's why I went in. I was like, all right, let me listen to them be sad, right? <laughs> <laughs> but then as soon as I opened up the space, um, they're all talking about Celeste Espino, and they're like, yeah, we need to go buy her. We need to get her away from Chiba. They're like, she's an amazing goalkeeper. She's like great, and like like you said, like opposing fans are like, we want that goalkeeper. Like she's really good. She's only eighteen. Like. And and they have like two good goalkeepers. It's not like they they have like a terrible goalkeeper at theaters, but their fans are like, all right, let's go get her. Like we want her right now. And meanwhile, I'm just there like dropping the laughing emojis, like, and then left. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that that she has a ton of potential, and like even right now, I think that she's performing really well. So I hope that she also gets a very nice contract extension because. I mean, that's also like, like I said, a lot of it comes back to the process Chivas has been having. And like even the last two matches against Tigres, they have been 1-1 draws. So even that's like an improvement because we are not losing against them. Like Mm -hmm. even despite all the losses we had in the roster before this game, like it's not the spectacular improvement that we're beating them or we're beating them in Liguilla, but it's definitely a step in the right direction. And I think that as fans, we need to be patient. And like I said, also understand the, the, the larger context of this. I mean, we don't have like a Semex or a FEMSA group that's going to give us $2 million to spend just on the women's team. So, I mean, I think that we've got a good solid set of players. We got fantastic youth talent and I think we need to keep like nurturing and supporting them so that this becomes not just a team that will get a title of or two in a year and then fall apart but it can become like a consistent team that that keeps growing and developing talent for not just for the for the league but also for the national team yeah definitely um, other standout players Melissa from the game to me I like I told you I think Cassandra Montero was great at center back but I do think we missed her in midfield. I think she's like a a great outlet pass from the defense to midfield and I think in the first like the first half for sure we were definitely missing that. I think we we didn't have that link up play between the the defense and the midfield. So while she was great at center back, I don't want to keep her at center back. I don't want you to have to keep her at center back. So I think I would rather have like Carlos Bernal and Michelle Gonzalez team up at center back as opposed to keeping Montero there. Even though, like like we said, she was great. And then she did have that that one play that uh, the media seems to be blowing up that could have been a, a possible red card. She got a yellow card. She kicked. I, I forget who she kicked, but she went like studs up and accidentally kicked somebody. Yeah, I mean, Cassandra can be a little bit reckless. I don't mm-hmm. see her like as being as an intentional player. Like it doesn't seem like the, the no. things she does are, are made to hurt. 
but she's still very reckless. So, I mean, I, I'm also seeing like a campaign from certain journalists on Twitter <laughs> who are saying that she should get uh, a lot more reds and a lot more cards and yada, yada, yada. But I mean, like, of course, they root for American Tigres. So, I mean, <laughs> I'm not going to expect them to throw flowers at, at Cassandra. But yeah, I mean, I, I we also need to acknowledge that she plays a very risky game. And like maybe having her at center back, even though she did really well, might not be the wisest yeah. thing. Or or maybe the maybe not like a permanent fix. So yeah, I mean I think that she's that's also something she needs to work on. I hope that she will keep working on that. But I also think it's not as bad as some media outlets are making it look like. Like they were essentially saying she almost ripped Canus shirt off in the in the goal that she scored i mean that's that's crazy like i i've never been been shy in acknowledging that i don't like players at chivas to be dirty or to be on sportman's like but yeah i mean there's definitely a grudge against cassandra but like at the same time like if the disciplinary commission says hey you're, you're going to get a red because of that i mean i don't think that anybody would complain and if that's the outcome, then it's going to be a fair one. And we definitely need like to improve the, the refs because they've been terrible. And it's not just that they benefit or they hurt Chivas, it's that they hurt matches for everyone. So I hope that it's not just something we complain every week, but I hope that it's something that improves every week. So, yeah, I mean, I think that Cassandra did fantastic, but I also think we, we should try to not to rely on her too much as the fix that we need in center back. Yeah, definitely. Um, and like you said, like the, the disciplinary commission does um, review plays, right, and and hand down punishments. I think it happened in the final last season, right? Uh, the Stephanie Mayor incident was that a red card in the final, or was, I think she got a yellow, right? And then it got upgraded to like a two game suspension. Yeah, Mayor got two games, but I think that it it depends, like. Because they were also complaining, like, why didn't Bernal get a get a red if she had gotten a yellow, I think. I'm not sure because I haven't, like, read the entire rule book. But I think that if, if, like, if Cassandra got a yellow, then they cannot turn it into a red card. I think that it only applies if the ref hadn't, like, given her anything. Oh, okay. Like, for example, that time that Nancy Antonio hit Melissa Sosa in the face that the ref didn't even see it and then she got a red i think that's that's how they can like keep these retroactive um red cards if there wasn't any call from the ref so i'm, I'm not sure how it works but i don't know if like tigres plan on on appealing that i mean if they do like it's entirely their right and i think i, I agree i mean it was what you could call like an an orange card play like if it had been a red i don't think that anybody would have complained yeah, when I when I saw the play, I was like, "Oh crap!" I was like, "That's probably a red card." And then she got a yellow, and I was like, "All right, she got away with it." But like, you know, you gotta gotta relax. Like, don't be too too reckless with your tackles now, because you know they're just gonna look for an excuse to send to send you off at that point. But um, other than Montero was impressive. I think Jocelyn Montoya had a great second half. I think she was uh, spearheading the attack. She was dribbling past defenders. She was even bodying defenders, which is Something we hadn't really seen much from Montoya. She she's usually getting the she's usually the one getting bodied as opposed to bodying other players. But um, 
good good second half performance from Montoya. Um, she, she scored the great header. Uh, what do you think of her second half performance? Yeah, I think that um, during the first half, I think there was like a play where she did what usually exasperates us as fans, which is that she never seems to to get rid of the ball when she shoots. But uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. I think that she she just she keeps growing, right? And like I said, the capacity that she has to like throw the team on her shoulder and score when when Leach is not there, I think that's something that we need to to appreciate. And yeah, I mean, I think that I'm happy that that she gets like these breakthrough moments where where she can be the hero of the match because she also deserves that. Like she's also part of like this process of of players. And like I think that my roommate's dog has things to say about <laughs> Jocelyn Montoya because he also loves her. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean she's like a, a Chivas developed player. Like she came in from scouting and from an open call, I think. And from there she got, um, I think she tore her her LCA, and that's and she was out for a year, like before she even had her debut. So. I mean, I've always said with Montoya that what we're seeing is like what we should have gotten from her a year ago if if she hadn't gotten that injury. But I think that she's maturing really well and like she's now in the senior national team and like she's a player that is widely appreciated, not just by Chivas fans, but by like fans all over the league. So, I mean, I think that she also has the potential to be like one of these faces for for women's football in, in Mexico. Yeah, I completely completely agree with you. I think she had a great second half, and then how do you, how do you think this game goes if Leechat plays? Because I think if Leechat yes, would have played, win. I think we win. <laughs> yeah, totally. I mean that that play that Valenzuela had. Yeah, I was gonna bring that up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean I don't know what happened with Valenzuela there because I mean she's already scored against Tigres and like on a final, so mm-hmm. I think that's where the lack of of minutes and like the lack of regularity hit her. I think that's partly of what like had her not execute that properly. But yeah, I mean I think that with Licha we we probably could have won that match. I, I think that I remember that at one of the supporter chats somebody said like Tigres fans are saying we have Licha dependency and I told them I mean they should be happy we do because if we didn't then <laughs> we could have killed them like yeah I think that that it could have been a win for Chivas I mean I don't know I also saw like a few plays where they were trying to link up and like Caro sending these little like sneaky passes that Licha can read telepathically mm-hmm and that other players can't. So, yeah, I mean, I think that she was definitely missed, but I still think that everybody did a, a good job. Like, even with Licha, a 1-1 draw is, is still a good result, I think, for for Chivas, like, especially at an away game against Tigres. Yeah, and, and even even though Licha didn't play, Chivas, I think Chivas still could have won the game. We we created opportunities, right? We had, like you said, we, that, that Gabi Venezuela play where... Um, and I don't. She's not like a pure striker, though. I think that's another thing too, right? Like when it was one on one, like she's more of a winger. So I, I don't blame. I don't pull it. Put it all on her, right? It's not particularly her uh, specialty. So not too shocked when she missed the shot. I think she just shanked the shot, but it happens. We had 
the one play that you mentioned earlier with Jocelyn Montoya, I think it was her and Ruby Soto that were running up. And Ruby Soto was wide open, but Jocelyn Montoya didn't pass her the ball. She would have had a one-on-one shot. And then late in the game, Chivas had a corner kick that Damaris Godinez gets her head on. And it goes just wide. If that had gone in, I think it was like the 79th minute, Chivas would have walked away with, with the W. So even without Licha, Chivas had their opportunities to, to win the game. Unfortunately, they didn't. But like you said, 1-1 at El Volcan where Tigres is like undefeatable and it's like a fortress out there. They came away with one point. And now Chivas sits in first place for now as we're recording this. So you can't complain, right? Yeah, they're locked in for first place because it's Santos and Necax are playing right now. Okay. And they, they can't make it past Chivas, like even if either of them wins. So, yeah, we're, we're first place for second match week in a row. That's weird. <laughs> but <laughs> I think it's also part of the shifts they made in the calendar. And like Chivas got a, a rougher start of the calendar. Like they had Pachuca, they had Tigres, they're against Toluca next. So they, they didn't get an easy start and they got two away matches in a row to begin their season. So, I mean, I think all things considered, this is like a very encouraging start of the season. And like I said, it, it kind of tracks because when people kind of give up on Chivas or they think they're not going to do as well, is when they excel. So, I mean, I think it, it fits with the, I guess, in a way, personality that Chivas has on the feminine side. Yeah, for sure. Like you mentioned, we have Toluca up next week, Monday night, uh, 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. What What do you expect from that game, Melissa? I know I was watching the, uh, they just played Cholos, right? Cholos. They were down 3-1 and they came back, I think, to tie 3-3. It was like a crazy game. Yeah, I mean, I can't quite remember if they made any transfer moves, but last season I had them for a top eight team because they signed some really good players and I think they were a disappointment in a way because they didn't they weren't able to to get a good season but they're still like a dangerous team like they've always been very consistent so I mean I think it's going to be tricky because they're also coming in on a nice streak so I mean we'll see how how Chivas handled them I mean, it, this is the, the first home match for Chivas. But I think that they should also be encouraged by the way they were able to fend off Tigres. So it, it seems like defensively and the midfield is is working really cohesively. And like if hopefully Licha is back or even just... Or even we have like Atsimba back, for example, because she's also out and we mm-hmm. were out of, of center forwards. So hopefully if, if Atsimba or Licha are back, I think that it's going to be much better for the team, like being able to score. Yeah, definitely. Hopefully Licha is back. I, I was wondering where Exima was. I didn't know she was hurt until I, I Googled it because I was like, why? If anything, this was that was her game to step up, right? But um, she was coming off, I think, like a neck injury or something like that. Yeah, I mean, they didn't like specify. Like they, they did say it was like a neck sprain or something like that. Yeah. And when that happens, it means that they crashed against someone in training. <laughs> I think it happened to Valenzuela, I think, last season. Oh, yeah, she didn't play the... I, the I thought yeah. that was a big absence, yeah. Missing her in Liguilla was a big absence, in my opinion. Yeah, she, definitely. She got a concussion, I think. 
Yeah. Yeah. So I no, think it yeah. must have been something similar, but I think she liked one of my tweets after the Tigres match, so at Simba is definitely around. <laughs> <Nice>. So <laughs> Yeah, ho- hopefully she she's back because I think that we could also use her. Definitely. All right. So I hope Aksima's back. Hope Licha's back. I hope Alvaro is back. I think um, playing at home, home opener, season home opener, I think she was goes out and gets that W. Um, it is a battle of first and second place. I know it's early, but it's, it is a battle between first and second. The Lucas in second place. And they also have a win and a draw, so... We'll see what happens on Monday night. Melissa, any other thoughts you want to get out before we wrap up? Um, well, the U17 tournament is underway. Um, Chivas is doing fine. They're also super leaders, and we have the top scorer in that division too. So we're just killing it. Chivas is doing fantastic right now. <laughs> <laughs> Let me check the... the... There's no... There's no like way to watch those games, right? They're not being yeah, televised or streamed. Broadcasts. They haven't announced anything. So also, if you have the the chance to, if you can pester Chivas TV so that they can <laughs> at least have the home games available, that would be amazing. But... Yeah, that's what I was wondering because if usually Chivas TV streams the uh, even the youth games because they they play them all at Verde Valle. Yep. Yeah, yeah, but they haven't been been televising them. Yeah, Chivas are in first place, and then we have Kimberly Jared Galicia, who has three goals in two matches, and she's the leader for Golden Boot. Imagine if we got like two Golden Boots in one season. <laughs> that would be amazing. And yeah, the thing with the U17 tournament is that they split it in groups. Like for those of you who are not so familiar with how the league used to be, like even the, the first division tournament on the first few seasons was they would split them in groups and then they would face each other at home and then and away. And Liguilla is going to be interesting because quarterfinals and semis are going to be to one leg and then just the final is going to be like a two-match affair. So it's going to be interesting to see how, how Chivas do because, I mean, Chivas have been a club that even before the league existed, they've always had like women's teams and, and youth women's teams. So we should be a, a strong contender and like so far it seems like they're doing great and yeah I mean hopefully we, we get a way to, to see some footage of, of them playing or, or something I think that they're coming to, to San Luis um, where I live somewhere this season so I'll definitely try and, and go go watch them even though the, the matches are on Sundays at 10am so <laughs> can guarantee I'm going to get up <laughs> hopefully I can but yeah, I mean, hopefully we get some form of broadcast or, or coverage from, from teams. Absolutely. And, you know, if people want to keep up with that, they can follow you. And we usually just retweet all the news that you tweet out because you do a really good job running the feminine side of Chivas English. So um, what's the handle is, uh, what's your handle, Melissa? I always get it. Conf- I always get the <laughs> underscore confused. Yeah, Chivas underscore F-E-N-G and... I did do a, a small explainer on the U17 <laughs> tournament for Footmex Nation, so you can also read that if you want to know how how that tournament is going to work this season. I thought I thought you were gonna give a brief explanation of why you changed your uh, 
your name tequila feminine bilingual <laughs> oh, oh yeah i mean that that too that's also something that that happened right during the the off season um as some of you may or may not know i tend to do like this sermon to all my unlucky followers on, on the anniversary so it was my third anniversary running the account and then someone was like i mean congrats but you don't even tweet that much in english and that's not an english account and whatever and then they was like i mean you, you you kind of have a point because that that's also been something i've been kind of struggling with because i've got a lot of uh Spanish-speaking fans who, who who follow Chivas Femenil and who, for some reason, enjoy my content. So, yeah, I changed it to Chivas Femenil bilingual. So, <laughs> just to to make fun of that guy, and also because it's kind of true. So, yeah, it's, it's Chivas Femenil bilingual now. I should probably change the handle too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, if you, if you guys are not following that account, you definitely should. And um, yeah, Chivas Femenil plays Monday night against Toluca, 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. That'll be on Chivas TV, and they don't do YouTube anymore, right? Only Chivas TV. Oh, yeah. Telemundo, Telemundo, Telemundo. App in the United States. Yes, I, I was like, there's somewhere else. I was like, what's the official way to watch? Because I watch Chivas TV, but um, yeah, Telemundo app in the United States. Download it, and uh, you can stream the game there. Um, and We'll be back next week, hopefully, covering Chivas. We'll be back whenever we're back. <laughs> Can't make any promises, but we're definitely trying to, to be more consistent this year. Sorry, everyone. <laughs> All right. This has been another episode of the Chivas del Norte podcast. Thank you for listening. We are out.